anxiety, depression, stress, and burnout. College students like me today faced a number of mental health challenges, and in these times, seeking help from a professional or counseling has never been more difficult. That's why a group of students have developed a new way to get 24-7 access to mindfulness and well-being resources at your fingertips. Cali. Instead of other mindfulness apps which generalize your symptoms, Cali is designed to be tailored to your personal needs and its intuitive AI gives me motivational tips, workout assessments, and an ear to listen to my thoughts. As featured by Microsoft and the Clinton Foundation, Cali is an award-winning app brought to you by Press Health. Download Cali using the referral link from the description or from the 47podcast.com website and try Cali for a week for free with no commitments and get 10% off your first subscription. podcast my name is Jacob my name is Yuma and today we'll be visiting Osaka Prefecture um, if you aren't familiar with the 47 podcast this is sort of a journey uh, between you know two two students uh, share a love and passion for Japan and cooking um, and this is much of a learning experience as it is for us um, it is for as it is for the audience and uh, we hope you join us along for the ride um, if you aren't familiar, uh, you can follow us on social media at 47cast on Twitter or 47podcast on Instagram. Check out our website, 47podcast.com, to see an episode list and the detailed recipe instructions if you're curious to try these out yourselves. We also encourage you to send in questions regarding each recipe, especially the first one. Um, a few weeks ago, we did red miso pork. Um, you can send those questions and comments to 47podcast at gmail.com, and that can be found at our website. Yeah, so uh, for this week, as Jacob said, we'll be visiting Osaka Prefecture. And uh, for this week, we were able to interview one of my friend's mom. Uh, this friend of mine actually went to my Japanese school that I attended um, back in my uh, high school days and middle school, elementary, all those years. And... Um, to put it in simple terms, okonomiyaki is, um, is somewhat like a savory pancake, almost. Mm. And um, so it's literally pretty much a pancake, except with you got all the vegetables and the meat inside it. And we'll go more in depth um, very soon. Now, when was the... Can you remember the last time you had okonomiyaki, or actually the first time? Um, I've had it a couple times. My mom also makes it pretty frequently. Um but the, this style of the okonomiyaki that I was able to um, get the interview on was um, definitely a little different because um, this person I interviewed was dif- from a different prefecture from my parents. So it, there was a little slight of adjustment in the recipe from what I had so far. Yeah, so this style would be Osaka okonomiyaki. I know there's sort of a famous feud between Osaka and Hiroshima um, regarding you know whose okonomiyaki is the best or... Uh, who who began the dish or recipe of okonomiyaki and I, I can't say I've had neither the first time I had okonomiyaki um, was actually in Tokyo with a friend who brought us to a hidden place in Shibuya um, it, was, it was really you know really delicious uh, but 
I'm really excited to explore and see um, what kind of changes between this dish, um, Osaka-style okonomiyaki, might have from Tokyo-style. Mm. Yeah, so um, just to describe the gist of kind of like the history of how the okonomiyaki became to be, was that um, it first was actually very flat. And uh, there were like actually no additional ingredients other than flour and water. It was literally a flat pancake, like even flatter than what we eat like today. Right. And and that's why it was, it was kind of like considered a snack for like the kids. Oh, and then, yeah, as time progressed, it became more of a meal. And this is, we are focusing on Osaka Prefecture today, but she, the person I interviewed, did say that it actually originated in Hiroshima. And then, and it eventually came on to become Osaka's, you know, main dish. And that um, Osaka made slight um, ad adjustments, or they just like implemented um, a couple of new ingredients into the okonomiyaki, and it became to be the Osaka style okonomiyaki. Mm -hmm. And to mm -hmm. name the uh, specific ingredients, uh, mm -hmm. one would be like mayonnaise, and the other would be um, Chinese yam, actually, which I'll also get into later. So the Osaka style flavoring. So the so the yams, um, and as you mentioned, the mayonnaise earlier is the sort of Osaka spin on okonomiyaki. And as you mentioned before, you've essentially <laughs> settled the feud. It sounds like between Osaka and Hiroshima, uh, Hiroshima did uh, create the dish, as you mentioned. So. I, this is from what I heard. This is what I heard from an Osaka resident. So I'm assuming <laughs> it is true. <laughs> Straight from the words of an Osaka resident, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first. And I was a little bit surprised that an Osaka resident conceded that they um, somewhat were not the first to, or that uh, like the true reason behind their main dish was actually kind of like a copy of another prefecture's dish. So, um. Yeah. Um, for those who are listening who may not know, Osaka is sort of known as the kitchen of Japan. Um, they take a lot of pride in being well-known for food. They're sort of the uh, capital for food in Japan. And so obviously any sort of uh, dispute or battle between, obviously friendly, but, but you know, who has the best sort of okonomiyaki or takoyaki between Osaka and any other prefecture uh, sure to be pretty heated and this has been a pretty long one um, so that's just sort of the backstory behind the whole feud yeah and um, I think people would usually expect to you know find these dishes um, in like specific restaurants or like an actual building but um, if you would go to Osaka you actually find out that you would find these in kind of like a food stall almost. It would be right. outside, uh, open window. It would be really small, compact. And then, you know, it's just like a distance. Like there's one person, maybe one or two person, people like working there. And then they just cook it right in front of you. You can see it happening. You can smell it happening. It's just, there is like, like such close proximity from like when they actually make the dish in front of you, which also makes, you know, establishes the aesthetic of, you know, the Osaka cuisine. And that's what I, you know, right. unfortunately, we're not able to experience that through a podcast. But um, if interested, then definitely visiting Japan, uh, specifically Osaka Prefecture and watching, um, you know, your okonomiyaki um, being made right in front of you. That, yeah, definitely would be one of, kind of experience. Yeah, unfortunately, the 
sort of onset of a global pandemic has made it um, difficult to experience that. But whenever you get the chance, highly encourage you to uh, under undertake, you know, having that made in front of you. The okonomiyaki I actually had wasn't made in front of me. It was sort of served uh, already cooked, but it was served on the middle of a table in sort of like a hot, a hot metal plate. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. I, I think it was to keep the okonomiyaki warm since it's sort of pretty flat. So I assume it can cool down uh, pretty fast because of all the surface area and air contact around it. So I thought that was kind of brilliant of them to do to keep it warm by putting it on the you know, hot plate in the center of the table. It's pretty delicious. I definitely try it again next time I go. Yeah. Um, that's actually called tippan yaki. Tippan so yaki. I, yeah, so I think that's what you had when you visited Japan. Uh, I, see. But, I was lied um, to. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's um, it's definitely still okonomiyaki, but um, the way that it was presented, yeah, mm -hmm. it would be called a tippan yaki. Tippan yaki. And what sort of the difference between the two? Um. Well, uh, I mean, the clear difference would be that it would be served on a hot plate and it wouldn't be on a served on a hot plate. That would just be like pretty much the straight difference. But yeah, that sounds good. Hot plate or not hot plate. Yeah. Learn something new every day. Little little 47 tidbit. Teponyaki if on a hot plate, if uh, not on a hot plate, okonomiyaki. There you go. Moving on to the dinner table where we take your comments, questions uh, submitted to the 47 podcast. We have a question from Michael from Wisconsin. So Michael asks uh, about table dining etiquette for all you can eat restaurants. Uh, so I'm sure everyone would know that there usually would be like some sort of time limit if it's all you can eat. And that doesn't change with culture. If there's a time limit, you stick with a time limit. That is common etiquette among like all cultures, but uh, I think if uh, one etiquette to point out in Japan, I think it would be if you were, you know, collecting your food um, to bring back to your table, it would you wouldn't want to order it in large amounts. <laughs> it's just probably um, a more polite to ask um, in small portions. I believe that would be one semi-etiquette i believe it's probably not an actual thing but <laughs> i think my family would do that <laughs> right and um as for the soft limit there's there's more of a hard limit uh, i'm not i haven't been to too many all-you-can-eat restaurants in the states um, but in japan there are quite a few you know limits on uh, time constraints there's time constraints on how long you can be sitting in there and eating the time limits I experienced were something like 60 to 75 minutes at shabu shabu places and yakiniku places. I'm wondering, uh, you, may, you, may, you might know this better than me, but were these introduced sort of after the mass influx of tourists from the West or has this always been a thing? Uh, you might not be known because you're uh, as young as I am, but, uh, my, I'm wondering if just because sort of the appetite of someone in the West, is it fair to say it would be larger than someone in Japan? They're not as conservative with portion sizes. And so the, the sort of recouping on investment 
economic factor of having an all-you-can-eat place might be severely impacted if you have a bunch of hungry people all around the world who generally eat more than Japanese people sort of taking advantage of that. And so I'm wondering if those time limits were put in place because yeah. of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so even if we, um, even before we touch on, you know, when they implemented the maximum um, time limit, I think um, just the fact that uh, they didn't have an all-you-can-eat buffet um, too long ago, I believe, because if you visit Japan, you would um, always like find it for yourself that the Japanese people actually eat really small portions for their meals, if you haven't noticed. Like, you would, even in like a McDonald's, right. you would go to one, and the burgers that you get would probably be three-fourths of the size that you see, maybe even half. Even and even it, the water. I mean, I, yeah. I, I'm a huge water drinker. I drink at least, you know, a gallon, gallon and a half a day. I go through a lot. And every Japanese, nearly every Japanese restaurant I went to, I, I'd always be downing water cups like they were faster than some of, you know, salary men were drinking sake shots. It was, it was crazy. They just have to, eventually a few restaurants just gave up and just brought me the entire pitcher of water. <laughs> Those will, uh, it was, it was pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I'm sure you were able to tell from that experience that, you know, it, it's just small portions and it's been like that for a very long time. It still is now. And from that, you can infer that, you know, all you can eat buffets, have probably been like the same they weren't introduced until a little while ago but in that sense i'm pretty sure the time limit was implemented at the same time as when the all you can eat buffets were introduced as well right, just, just so that there would be a limit you know right probably just makes economic sense in general yeah to always have a time limit there well thank you for your question michael uh keep listening to the podcast uh, send us more any send us more feedback comments questions to 47 podcast at gmail.com i think that's it for today Yuma. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah as always thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time on the 47 podcast thank you ciao